Good evening. Achieve an exceptional performance. Shared insights. Welcome to All Things Intriguing with your host, Dr. Raymond Allen Newkirk. That's me. We're discussing exceptional performance. On episode five, right action accomplishes more than smart speech. That's the title of this episode. This podcast is offered with the hopes of helping you understand more about exceptional performance, how to attain it, and the difference it will make in your life. You know, there are people who work hard to achieve exceptional performance. There are also people who could care less about achieving exceptional performance. They just want to get by. If you had a choice, who would you hire? Somebody that just really wants to do something exceptional for you? Or somebody that just wants to get by? And why is that? It's pretty obvious, right? Great things rarely happen by accident. Delivering exceptional performance is no exception. It emerges from deep preparation, planning, and execution. Indifferent people do not deliver exceptional results because they would not know, even if they did, how they did it. They're totally unaware of what exceptional performance is because they really don't care. They're that much out of touch. Exceptional performance requires serious people. So good luck if you can find them. It doesn't happen by accident. Remember I told you when I was in the Middle East, the thing they would say is mafia miscula. Don't bring them any problems. All right. They wanted things to be easy. They wanted just to get by. All right, so what is your take on exceptional performance? What have you done in your life that's exceptional? And there's personal things that you've done. There's things that work you've done with teams, with others. There's things you've done for people that are exceptional. You know, you look back on it, sometimes you don't even know how you did it. You know, sometimes really smart people do great things and you ask them how they did it and they can't tell you. We used to work for years on expert systems, develop expert systems. The idea was we'd go to an expert and they'd have us share their knowledge with us and we can code it into the system. The problem was that a lot of experts couldn't tell you how they did things, but they could do it. Let's work with the guy. I had a boss. You could bring him any problem, any math problem. And he could give you the answer right away. Hey, Orville was his name. Orville, and to give him the math problem. He'd right away give you the answer, and he was always right. And you'd ask him, how on earth did you do that? He could not tell you, but he just knew the answer. He'd done it so many times in his life, he had memorized it, the kind of problem and the solution. Remarkable, right? I mean, that wasn't me, that's for sure. Hello, thanks for listening. Welcome to my podcast. It will be far-ranging, challenging, surprising, insightful, informative, informative, insightful and informative. That's a new one. Informative, interesting, and even intriguing. Yes, this is about all things intriguing. We're going to have many different topics as we go along in this podcast. It will be insightful and informative. All right? 
think I created a new word here. It is brought to you by Systems Management Institute in Orlando, Florida. Check us out at www.smirsp.com. Your visit is more than welcome. We'd appreciate it. We have a lot to share with you on our webpage, on our site. It's all about content, all about problem solving, all about exceptional stuff. We'd love you to join us. When the action becomes more frequent than the words, success becomes heavier than the dreams. So do more and say less. There are people who are good talkers. You know a lot of them. You might be one yourself. Talk, 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 talk. I can tell you anything. But when it comes to delivering something, Jay just cannot do it. When the action becomes more frequent than the words, then success becomes heavier than the dreams. Do more, say less. Israel More, Ayivor said that. Israel More, Ayivor. That's pretty impressive thinking there. When the action becomes more frequent than the words, success becomes real. Becomes exceptional. It's more than just a dream. I like visions. I don't like dreams. You hear her? Are you a man of dreams? There's a difference. Dreams are for those who sleep. I've been saying that since I was in my 20s. I made that observation. Dreams, they don't tell you how to execute them. They don't go deep. It's all about feeling good. But I like visions. Right? Visions are about scenarios of change. Think about that. You know, we have planning, strategic planning, and all of that stuff. Years ago, I got caught up on scenario setting. I think that's better than strategic planning. Scenario setting. We can get into that more much later. So when actions become more frequent than the words, success becomes heavier than the dreams. So that means do more say less. So are you a person of action? Are you just a good talker? I've met so many people in life that are darn good talkers. I've seen people that can interview really, really well. That's not even proper. Really good. They can interview good. Man, they have it mastered. They can tell you where they've been, what they've done. They have even good references. And then you hire them and three days later, you wish you had never met them. They're good talkers. I like to find out what people have done, and what they've done lately, just like Ross Perot. What have you done with your life? What have you done lately? Have you kept it going? Are you a one-stop wonder? You know, some people can do a major project and deliver it exceptionally well and never do it again. Ever. You know, you can get the same team on the exact same project at a different time. And you'll succeed the first time and fail the second time. Why is that? You have the same people, the same project, the same requirements, the same specs, the same budgets. You're in charge. 
and it fails the second time. Or you can do it well the first two times and fail the third time. What changes? Wow. What in the makeup changes of that project? Same people, right? But the people change. Right? Technology changes. Even though the project's the same, it's never ever the same. Remember that guy? She said you can't go into the same river twice. He talks about change. Was it Thales, the Miletus, the Milesian? You can't go in the same river twice. Every day is a new day. Every day you're different. I think there's a lot of truth in that, don't you? You know? I can't get over how people change. Yeah. Good and bad. People that were hard to work with can become good to work with because they grow up. People that were easy to work with can get jilted and they become mean. Isn't that something? So, life is in transition. That's why action speaks more than words. Because that's how you develop confidence in somebody. By what they do, not what they say. Remember what St. Thomas Aquinas said? If you really want to know a person, don't listen to what they say. He even said, don't watch what they do, but come to learn what they love. Where their heart is, is where they are. You know? Often we can't find out what somebody loves, so we have to go by their actions, what they've done. But if you can find out what they love, you'll learn a lot about them. What do you do if you find out people just love taking chances? They love the excitement of the risk and the gamble. Or you find somebody that just loves to simplify their life by making powerful, potent decisions. Who are you going to hire? You know? So, it's worth to keep that in mind, right? Success really comes from More frequent actions. Doing more. Achieving exceptional performance in knowledge management. What we've been talking about. So the challenge of exceptional performance in knowledge management is really a psychological and sociological phenomenon. Yeah. It's sociological and psychological. Exceptional performance is. Why is that? Well, let me get a little squeak here in my water and I'll tell you in just a second. Ah, that's really good. It begins as curiosity and expands as the desire for mastery expands. That's right. Exceptional performance and knowledge and management begins begins as curiosity and expands as the desire for mastery expands. You get curious. That's where knowledge comes from. It begins as curiosity. And knowledge expands as the desire for mastery expands. Yeah. When you decide you want to master something, your knowledge will expand. If you're curious about something, you'll start getting knowledge. If you want to master something, your knowledge will expand. 
exceptional employees desire what? To master their relationships with colleagues in the workplace and work well with other teams. Yeah. I look back on that. I think about it. The people I have found that were exceptional, they desired to master their relationships. They wanted them to be effective. Their relationships with colleagues. They want to get along. I never met anybody who deliberately didn't want to get along with someone. Okay? So exceptional employees desire to master their relationships with colleagues in the workplace. And then they want to work well with the other teams. Yeah. It's not all about just their colleagues, but they have to get along with their teams. Think about the people that are business analysts. And yet they're very uncomfortable dealing with the customers that they have to deal with in the business community, the end users of the systems. They're very uncomfortable with them. They're not going to be exceptional, are they? If they have to work with them, right? Exceptional employees, when they see a problem, they learn how to resolve it rapidly. So you see these business analysts that really don't want to talk to their end users, and they know that's a problem, but they don't do anything to resolve it rapidly. They're never going to be exceptional. I've been on projects where that's been a problem. Where you have four or five or six business analysts, in which half of them don't want to talk to the end users, don't want to talk about the requirements, the specs. They don't want to put together all that for the programmers, systems developers. So they're never going to resolve anything rapidly. So you can't keep them around very long. It's not going to work very nicely. It's going to be a problem. You know, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to cost more. And users who you have to please, so that's why you're building the system for them, after all, who will observe it, not like it, won't have confidence in the system. It could go on and on and on. It's a psychological and sociological phenomena, right? You're talking about getting requirements of your business analyst. That's about knowledge management. you got to obtain the knowledge and manage it properly to get it to the developers. If you don't want to work with the end users, you've got a psychological situation there. It becomes a sociological phenomenon. It's got to be fixed. And if it's a really smart business analyst and they really know how to get the requirements, but they just can't do it because they have a sociological problem, then you have to bring a solution. It's got to be resolved. It's got to be resolved rapidly. Because when you see a problem, you have to resolve it rapidly if you're in a leadership role, right? You want to have an exceptional project. You need exceptional people to do that. All right? And they ought to be curious. They have to have a desire for mastery. That's what exceptional people are. They're curious. You know? Can you imagine that? Exceptional people and they're not curious. So you have to prepare. So you ask yourself a question. You say, how can I achieve exceptional performance by mastering soft skills competencies? And what are my soft skills? Getting along with others. So exceptional performance, soft skills mastery is essential. 
Soft skills are hard to master because they are behavioral and emotional. Yeah, relationships are difficult, right? We all know that. Soft skills are about relationships. It's about the behavioral stuff. It's about emotional stuff. So soft skills mastery is essential to achieve exceptional performance because you have to master the behavior of the environment. You have to neutralize some of the emotional baggage that you will run into. So you need soft skills mastery to be able to do that exceptionally well. Am I making sense? Are you following me? You have to build exceptional teams if you're in management or supervision. And you know how you build exceptional teams? With exceptional learning. Yeah. Exceptional teams possess exceptional technical or hard skills and exceptional people or soft skills. That's right. Exceptional teams are full-blown all around the highly developed masterful people. They possess exceptional technical and people skills. Both sides of the coin are covered by them. It can be done. I have met technical people that had great soft skills. Yeah. And I've met great managers who could really manage and motivate and inspire their teams were exceptional technical people. Isn't that great when that comes together? If you're a director or a higher level manager and you have teams like that, that's what has to come together if you want to achieve exceptional performance. Yeah. Wow. It's great when you see that happen. One of our uh, podcasts, I mentioned that if you go back 20 years ago, they used to have a saying that if you hire 10 people and three of them are really good, you're, you've done very well. I had an executive tell me recently, it's now, if you hire 10 people and one of them are really good, you've done very well. Wow. Are we in decline? Or is it that technology has gotten too omnipresent? It's too much for people to manage? You know, 30 years ago, I told an audience that the future belongs to the technologists for a while because they're developed such a highly technical environment that only they will understand. And so they'd be very, very powerful. We're seeing that happening, aren't we? What's the cybersecurity problem? All these people are young, the cybersecurity criminals are young. A lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. They're just having fun destroying companies. They're not even realizing what they're doing, half of them. But I made the argument that as society becomes increasingly technological, more and more people will be disconnected from the important things in society, like maintaining that society. And so they'll defer everything to the technocrats who will be running everything. I mean, it's obvious when you look at the government, very few people in the government have a handle on what's going on. You know, they're pretending they do. 
They hired the consultants, and some of them don't even know. I I know a guy who is the very first cybersecurity specialist in the White House. He, he told me the stories of what it was like. Nobody wanted security in the White House because it made the systems too complicated to access. I used to call that quality anti-quality trade-offs until I had a client in California who didn't like that term. So I call it quality anti-quality. In other words, you reduce the quality of the system of access quality by making it easier for people to get access, but it's less rigorous, so it's easier to hack. Trade-offs, right? So what I said to everybody 30 years ago is what's going to happen is people will get so tired of this and only the technocrats knowing what they're doing that most people will throw their hands up in the air and say enough is enough. Basta et basta. We've got to change this. We've got to get rid of this technology. We've got to go back to simpler times. That's a risk. The way it stands right now, cybersecurity is only going to happen when we go back to the way systems used to be and they weren't so linked. It's really something you see these security operations centers and they have these very linked connected systems. It's one of the reasons there's so much cybersecurity problems is because the systems are linked and you get into one system, you get access to everything that's linked to that. That's all going to have to change. We're going to have to design new models of technology or we're going to have to go back to the way it was simpler times. See? Yeah, I had predicted that technology would be so rampant that people would throw their arms up in the air and they won't know it. They'll give up. They won't be aces. And either the technocrats will be running everything, and that's what's happening now. We have some of these high-tech companies are so powerful, they're making billions of dollars a year, hundreds of billions. They're worth a trillion dollars, and they have so much clout, they're controlling society, and they're even pushing propaganda. Affecting elections. Right? They're taking over things. And people are going to get fed up and throw their hands up and say enough is enough. I see for the first time Facebook is losing customers. The numbers are declining. Right? People are figuring it out. They're getting sick of it all. You know? Think about this. You have a young guy that goes to college. He drops out of college. Develops an information system. A few years later, his company goes public and he's a billionaire. He's not even 26 years old. He's not even grown up. He's a college dropout. He hasn't matured emotionally. Technocrat who's a billionaire. You think he's ready for that or she's ready for that? You think they're grown up enough to understand the response? Of course not. Not growing up. Look at Bill Gates. I saw him on an interview one night. Right? I think it was CBS 60 Minutes. He started crying, talking about his wife, how much she changed his life. She made him a human being. He said he didn't care about poor people at all until he met his wife. He didn't believe in giving charity. It was kind of handouts. It wasn't going to be used like that. Then go out and get a job. But he learned to be different with his wife, and he said she saved, his, saved him. He actually had tears in his eyes, choking up, talking about how much he loved his wife and how much she saved him from being a cold, callous, selfish person. Isn't that something? And look where they are today. Not even speaking to each other. I don't know how far bills dropped. How much? You know? 
He spent a fortune on security for his wife and kids, but not himself. It wasn't easy. It's not easy being these guys. You know? They didn't listen to Aristotle, did they? They talk about the golden mean, right? I mean, you look at these guys, and they don't want you to change places with them. They wouldn't want you to live the way they did, because there's nothing to write home about. This is the world that's been built by these people that's caused them a great price. I don't even think they can even talk about happiness. Bill Gates was an interesting guy. He browned by bragged his lunch in his office for a long time. He had a modest office. I visited a lady in a college one time. She used to be a junior college. She had an office that would knock your socks off. Yeah, state college. Bigger than the White House. Bigger than the Oval Office. Bigger than Bill Gates' office by far. He's a billionaire and she was just a college president. Not just, uh, you know what I mean, compared to that. She's a state employee, very nice lady. Wonderful office. I was really impressed. I liked her a lot. We had a great meeting. But Bill Gates didn't let it go to his head. It was very simple. You know what he used to do? He always used to carry dollar bills with him. If he went somewhere like a restaurant or something to get a hamburger or something simple, People ask for his autograph, he take a dollar bill out and sign their name and give it to them. Sign his name. Yeah. He carried dollar bills around to sign his signature. That's what he used to be like. Something changed. You see. He got so rich he could buy a country. You know, there are people out there could not even afford to have a meal for dinner. And he got to the point where he really wanted to help a lot of people. But something went wrong. He said what? That his marriage became a loveless marriage. You know, you have to work on it. You have to be centered. You have to be grounded in each other. But, so much for that. The point of this was we're in a society that is exceptionally technological. It's getting too hard for people to manage and understand. And we need to have exceptional performance. To do that, we have to be exceptional people. We have to be careful with the decisions we make. So, an exceptional team requires hard and soft skills. Hard and soft skills make the exceptional team. These teams realize that mastery of soft skills is more difficult, more difficult than mastery of hard skills. We should reverse, we should call social skills hard skills, but we don't call them soft skills. Measurements are different, right? How many transactions do you run a second? That's easier to measure. You can do it quantitatively correctly. What do you feel about that? Hmm, that's qualitative. Is that good, better, or best? Kind of like soft skills. Because you don't have an absolute definitive answer about these things. So where are you in your life? Do you believe in exceptionalism? And I mean exceptional performance? Do you believe in developing a company or helping your company 
achieve leadership and competition by exceptional projects and exceptional delivery. That means you have to be good in a lot of stuff. That means you yourself have to become an exceptional thinker, exceptional person. Isn't that kind of something interesting, right? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy life more. See things bigger, have better control over your life. I mean, I look at young kids today in their 20s. The ones that are wired, what I mean by that, are connected with technology. They're living differently than us. I've been a technologist. I built my first computer in 1962, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors. I'm at least 39 years old and a little bit more, right? I've been in technology all along. We've come a long way. I used to write computer programs in machine language. I used to do actual addressing. I used to give programmers their memory. All that stuff is done now with higher level programs. So much stuff is easier for the current generations than it was when you developed the stuff. We've come a long, long way. And we who have had to develop it really understand technology. And often technology reflects the people who design it. That's what worries me about AI. You know? So, soft skills mastery is essential to achieve exceptional performance. Building exceptional teams with exceptional learning is essential. Hard and soft skills make the exceptional team. You see? So we prepare ourselves. By mastering soft skills, by building exceptional teams with exceptional learning, make sure the learning is relevant to the environment, right? I, I read so many academic papers with all the buzzwords and even a bunch of new vocabulary. And they state this and they state that and they state this. But it's just a guess. There's no hypotheses, there's no tests, there's no evaluations. They're writing their models of reality. Wonderful models. Some of this stuff is really exciting. Is it right or wrong? I don't know. It's like the person that says the universe is infinite. How does that guy know the universe is infinite? Mm -hmm. Can't prove it. Won't be around long enough. It's just a big statement. It has no validity. I might as well say the all squares are non-square. Of course, that's easy to prove, isn't it? Because we can define what a square is. If we have a wheel that's round, it's not a square. Unless we say 2 plus 2 equals 1798, then nobody can deal with me, right? And I can't deal with you. We call that being kind of strange. So I read some of these papers from academicians that are well thought of. And I said, wow, that's really neat. Oh, I like that new buzzword. I like how they're using that. But is it real? Don't know. You know? To be truly exceptional, you got to know. Stuff you deliver has to be on target. See? So what that means is exceptional performance is exceptionally rare. That's why it's exceptional. Because it's exceptionally rare. So a question comes up, how can I achieve exceptional performance by mastering soft skills competence? 
Well, exceptional performance results from proficiencies and competencies. How proficient are you and how competent are you? Hmm. They're not quite the same. Technical skills change as technology evolves, right? So exceptional companies manage change exceptionally good. That's the way I like to look at it. I know there's a big talk about exceptionalism as you know, America, the exceptionalism, and there's political debate on that between the various political parties. And they're not having a party, I'll tell you that. So the master soft skills competence, we have to be proficient in them, in our competencies. We have to be, what are they? Hmm. What about communicating well? What about mobilizing innovation and change? Hmm. What about mastering others and mastering yourself? See, these are really important soft skills competencies, right? Mobilizing innovation and change, mastering yourself well, mastering others, communicating well. Core competencies, right? Exceptional performance, doing that exceptionally. To listen, to learn, to manage change exceptionally well. To be adaptable, to be flexible. All of that is extremely important, right? Are you getting the gist of this? Exceptional people don't become exceptional accidentally. It takes hard work, commitment, and a love for it. So, Let's hit an insight. Insight number four. The good thing about overcoming an obstacle is that it enables us to see the next obstacle hidden behind it. <laughs> yeah. What? Again? You want me to say that again? Hmm. The good thing about overcoming an obstacle is that it enables us to see the next obstacle hidden behind it. You know where that great bit of wisdom came from? Raymond L. Newkirk, that's me. I think that's pretty much sums up life, right? After you solve, remove one obstacle, we run into another and remove that, and then there's another. We will never run out of obstacles, will we? That's what life is, huh? Overcoming obstacles. Wow, and that deep, and we do it. We're here. We've come a long way in 350 years. Yeah, and we did it by overcoming obstacles one right after the other. You know what progress is. You know how to put it simply. Progress is valued by the number and complexity of the never-ending obstacles one overcomes every day. I like the guy who said that too. I'll say it again. 
progress is valued by the number and complexity of the never-ending obstacles one overcomes every day. Yeah, that's progress. And in that, it's valued. Progress is valued because we've overcome obstacles. Yeah, but complexity of obstacles. And they're never ending. In 1984, there was a book, a book, uh, there was a movie called The Never Ending Story. And it was about having curiosity and about staying young and taking care of the wonder in yourself, the amazement of life. Yes, I saw that movie with the lady that became my wife. It was, ex it was kind of a, a kid's movie, but it was also for adults because it had such a great message. The name of the guy was a trio. I think he could ride a flying dog. Yeah. It was about where adventure and discovery was becoming dead. The world was dying, taken over by darkness. The never-ending story, I recommend it. It'll keep you young. That's what I like about the redecision people, psychotherapy. Take care of the child in you. It gives you meaning to your life. The good thing about overcoming an obstacle is that it enables us to see the next obstacle hidden behind it. And progress is valued by the number and complexity of the never-ending obstacles one overcomes every day. Yes. Don't you feel good when you take something complex and make it simpler? And that you have a history of resolving obstacles? You'd rather not have them at times. I know you get tired. Life is like that, right? But there's some joy to it. There's an excitement to it. You're proud... Isn't it wonderful when your child comes home from school and they're really happy because they were able to solve a math problem? Or they had a good time or they read in front of the class and did well and the teacher liked it. And they're just, just having such a great time with life. Unbelievable when people try and take that away, right? The human race is a race in progress, right? It's a work in progress. We are. It's, uh, it's amazing how far we've come and how far we haven't come. And how many things repeat themselves. More things repeat themselves than you can even imagine. When you live long enough, you see the same thing happening today that happened 40 years ago. Or the same thing 40 years ago that happened 80 years ago. Things repeat themselves it seems like no fix is permanent yet. You talk to a specialist who's a medical doctor and he tells you how very little they can actually cure. He said, there's not much we can really do. Not yet. We still can't cure common cold. Yeah. And we cannot yet cure those people that create viruses that kill other people. People still do these foolish things. Just don't understand the range of reason that's lacking. 
right? So we have to progress is valued by the number and complexity of the never-ending obstacles we overcome every day. I have a friend that called me up one afternoon. He said he was on his way to the dentist, same dentist he had for 40 years, and he got lost. Couldn't remember how to get to the dentist's office. Then I saw the change in him over the next few months. How he became argumentative. Very control-oriented. Forgetful. Very, very thing. No cure. Not yet. Wow. So he has more and more obstacles to overcome every day that he never used to have because he got to a certain point in his life where aging just creates obstacles. They never go away. Just the types of obstacles you have to overcome change. You know? So, let's talk about the facts of life. The real facts of life. Here's one for you. If you do not expect anything out of life, you will get what life has in store for you. And that's nothing. I'll say that again. If you do not expect anything out of life, you'll get what life has in store for you. And that's nothing. You know, there's people that say, expect nothing and get no disappointments. Live like that is one disappointment. There's certain things you don't want to expect. Like, there's certain people you don't want to have any expectations of because you know them. Right? So your expectations are real, but they should be informed. And they change. For example, when I turn on the water in the shower, I expect it to come on. I expect the temperature to be right. There's certain things I expect. Right? When somebody says something to me, that's kind. I expect myself to say thank you because I note that person's kindness. Yeah. If I do something wrong, I expect it to disappoint me. Right? The true measure of the value of any business leader and manager is performance. That's right. The true measure of the value of any business leader and manager is performance. Brian Tracy said that. I thought that was worth sharing with you. But I, I'm sure you all know all that already. So, the people that perform well develop a certain confidence in others that allows them to expect you to continue to do well. Life has a lot of expectations. So these people that tell you not to expect anything must be jilted, right? I am very careful what I expect out of others to be fair to them, right? I think I mentioned in one of my uh, podcasts early on that I did an in-depth study on the characteristics of leadership and I created a field called anthropological leadership where I looked at leadership using the tools of anthropology, right? 
I went back as far as I could go back, and I identified, I developed a list of all the traits and characteristics a good leader should have, according to all the experts in leadership and what they thought, right? Well, that list got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as I put them together. Then I found out that all of these various experts on leadership, if you put together their ideas, they have created a model of a human being that could never exist or have ever existed. Because I have to tell you that walking on water wouldn't be good enough. Flying through the sky wouldn't be good enough. Being a superhero wouldn't be good enough. Because so many traits are identified in leadership. It wasn't just a few. Leaderships are inspiring. Really? Leaderships always tell the good leaders always tell the truth. Really? Nobody always does everything. Always. I could go on and on, but I guess you get the point. The true measure of the value of any business leader and manager is performance. How well do they perform? You see? How well do they meet expectations? If you don't expect anything from anybody, the only one that will disappoint you is yourself. Right? For caring so little about others. Right? Can you imagine marrying a person that you never have any expectations of? Can you imagine going to a doctor you have no expectations of? Can you imagine going to a university where you don't expect anything from the professor? Wow. So if you do not expect anything out of life, you will get what you life has in store for you. And that's nothing. Isn't that something? I'm sorry to say that we can't be that naive. We just have to be that smart. Because we have to do it with good judgment. Well, develop judgment. You know, I think that's a wonderful thing to have. Mature judgment. I even have a a lust for life. Is that what was a a movie about a great artist called Lust for Life? I think it was about the great artist. I won't tell you his name. I think there was a great actor that played him. The actor died at over 100 years old. Has a son went into the movies who's married to an actress himself. Son's name was Michael Douglas. His name was the second part of my last name. Yeah, Kirk Douglas. I think he made a movie about a great artist. Yeah. Lust for Life. I think that was the name of the movie. I could be wrong. You know, let me hold on. Let me check here. Let me check. Yeah. I've been wrong several times today already. Yep. My gosh, I was wrong a couple times yesterday. Let's see if I'm consistent. I will even be wrong a couple times tomorrow. Hmm. Ain't that an embarrassing development? I'm not perfect. Thank goodness for that. You know? Once worked for a manager. Had a guy working for him who was really, really good. I said to the manager, 
boy, don't we need more people like him? And he said to me, no, we can't afford to have anybody like that again. I said, why? He's so good, he demoralizes everybody. He gets the job done for me. But he makes everybody feel bad. Can you imagine that? That's what he actually told me. God never made me feel bad. I got along with him fine. Yeah. I couldn't believe you. So I went around and started asking my workmates about this guy. Yeah. They felt bad when they worked with him because they made he made them feel stupid. So I began to think about that. I said, how did he make them feel stupid? It wasn't long before I found out. He told them they were stupid. All right. <laughs> he actually told them they're stupid. This guy has some bad habits, right? He does really a good job. But people complained about him all the time because he was insulting them all the time because he was so arrogant. There you go. Even this guy had a weakness, right? The people didn't expect him to insult them, right? And he didn't have any expectations out of life, so he got along with nobody, right? Oh, my goodness gracious. The way we weave things in life. Why can't we just keep it simple? And that reminds me, my first series of podcasts are called Applied Moral Wisdom. It was about how to simplify your life by making good decisions. If you haven't listened to it, you ought to listen to it. It's a lot of fun. You know? So, well, my friends, if you are not fired with enthusiasm, you'll be fired with enthusiasm. You get it? Vince Lombardi said that. Let me quote that again. If you are not fired with enthusiasm, you will be fired with enthusiasm. Right? Your boss will be happy to get rid of you. Right? Think about that. Doesn't that sound neat? Think deeply. It's obvious things. These really smart people say things that are really obvious because they stop and they observe and they notice and they comment on it. I'll say it again. If you are not fired with enthusiasm, you will be fired with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. I can't explain sometimes. Ever since I took Spanish in the sixth grade, I haven't been able to speak explain. You get the point? I am fluent in every language in the world. Did you know that? Yeah, except Greek. And of course, they're all Greek to me. I'm sure you've heard that. I learned that as a child. I took Spanish in the sixth grade. Had no choice. The teacher thought it would be a better language to know. So she didn't teach us English. She taught us Spanish and it caught on. So I became a linguist. Yeah. I learned Spanish and a little bit of English. And my Spanish is real good. I can remember 13 words in Spanish. Yeah. Uh, that's 13 ways to say gracias. Yeah. Gracias when you receive a Coke. Cola. Gracias when you have a hamburger. That's two ways right there. Garages with the French fries. Yep. So, if you are not fired with enthusiasm, you've got to get enthusiastic about something, right? Get enthusiastic. Solve a major problem. Right? Cure a disease. Right? Design a car that runs on hydrogen. That way you won't be fired with enthusiasm. You might even get rich. Wealthy, how's that?
So thank you, Vince Lombardi. I really love the Green Bay Packers, except when they played the Baltimore Colts. I really love Johnny Unitas in those guys there. They were great football teams. Just great pro football. I loved it. I played pro, pro football for several years, yeah. I played way back in the bleachers. Yeah, that way I never got injured. Way back in the bleachers. I liked it. Way back in the bleachers. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I used to send plays to the coaches. That's right. They even used one of my plays one time. Yep. Having Johnny Unitas be the quarterback on a sneak play. Yep. He was the quarterback, and he'd go across the line and receive the pass from the fullback. They actually used that play. The name of the coach was a guy named Don Shula when he used to coach the Baltimore Colts. Yes. I used to sit there and watch that with my dad. I had a lot of enthusiasm about that because I had a lot of time, good time with my dad. And if I stayed quiet, I wouldn't have to go mow the lawn. Wasn't that nice? Right? So, have enthusiasm about something. Something good and decent that will benefit others because you'll have more satisfaction at it. There's some free advice. Of course, my advice to you is don't take advice from anyone. Just share insight. So guess what? Our time is up on episode five. Yeah. So thank you for joining me on this discussion about achieving exceptional performance. I will be back with episode six next week. Okay, this is this is Dr. Raymond Allen Newkirk. Dr. Psych. That's PSY period dot period. PhD, PhD, THC, CFP. Right. You know what PhD means, right? Doctor of Philosophy. No, it means pilot higher and deeper. That's what they used to tell me in college. I'm the founder and CEO of Systems Management Institute. My phone number is 407-864-7756. You can always give me a call. R. Newkirk at smilc.info. It's my email. And I thank you for all your comments. I really am getting a lot out of them. Yes. I get about 2,000 emails a day now. Thank you very much. www.smirsp.com is our site. Go to our site. Get involved with it. There's a lot in it. You'll find it very interesting. And we're moving forever forward, folks. We're not going backward. We're going forward. Forever forward, right? Marching forward. Sounds great, doesn't it? And thank you for listening. We will continue with this discussion soon. And thanks for joining us. So have a good night. See, hey, I got done early. It's only 2.30 a.m. I really appreciate that. So thank you very much.